Dave. Hello, hello. Welcome, everybody. This is exciting, isn't it? Yeah. Another, another episode of Strong Tea. Um, if you haven't joined us before, we are Strong Tea. I'm Katie. I'm Vicky. I nearly said I'm Vicky then, and that's not true. So <laughs> I would have gone along with it, though. I would have said yeah. I'm Katie just for you. That's fine. I, I mean, I probably would have confused the whole thing, wouldn't I? And then <laughs> neither of us had known what was going on. But anyway, um, we are the Strong Tea team. And um, this podcast is all about raising awareness of topics which we really should be talking more about. Things which people might consider taboo. Uh, things which people sort of maybe stick their head in the sand over. And it's all about uh, increasing education and bringing things to the forefront of discussion. Um, so... Without further ado, I'm going to let Vicky introduce our wonderful guest, Gina, but we're going to do what we always do. Start off, what are we drinking today? And Gina, as our guest, I'm going to ask you first, what have you got in your cup? Uh, good afternoon. Um, I have got a nice cup of Yorkshire tea. Yes. Oh. Is it Yorkshire gold? Uh, no, just plain oh. old Yorkshire tea. I'm going to have to take that extra brownie point away, I'm afraid, Gina. <laughs> <laughs> and and do you take it just uh just milk just milk or any sugar yeah. or do you like it strong just milk no sugar i'm sweet enough oh, oh that's, what, that's, what, like. that's what we heard <laughs> <laughs> and do you like a do you like a really nice strong cup of yorkshire yes definitely yeah. has to be strong i don't like people that like really weak tea it really upsets me yeah, it just tastes like water doesn't it yeah, yeah. what's the point yeah not a fan not a fan uh vicky what are you drinking well i am drinking uh burden blends rhubarb and custard because we mentioned it in our last recording and i just got a yeah i just really wanted it so yeah i'm back to my childhood of rhubarb and custard sweets and it's so good it's their best one for sure isn't it it's just well of of the ones i've tasted yes because there's a whole plethora of other ones as well yeah burden blends and there's more um, <laughs> well, um, I've gone. Um, oh, I know. Um, Freddie wants to talk about what he's drinking as well. But you know, a couple of weeks ago, I um, got quite excited about um, a company called T Two that makes yes. tea, and yes. I had their New York breakfast tea. And then, so for my birthday, someone and I'm going to give them a shout out because it's a dog. Um, yes, I know it's a dog called Obi. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, bought me for my for my birthday some T two Melbourne breakfast tea. So I've got the New York breakfast and the Melbourne breakfast is a full bodied vanilla sweet tea. That bound sounds to, delightful. Bound to keep you cozy all year round. It says on the box, and right now it's doing a good job. So yeah, it's really nice. Yeah. yeah, I could quite easily work my way through their teas because they are absolutely yeah. lovely. I'll pinch a couple of those when I see you next week then. All right, fair enough. Yeah, okay. Right. Without further ado, <laughs> um, I would love you to, to introduce you to, like, introduce you to, introduce you Me? to Gina. So <laughs> we, were, we were first introduced to Gina Kinson by uh, Michael Johnson Ellis, who was the guest in our episode, My Surrogacy Journey. And we learned so much about the process and experience of surrogate parents but we also had so many questions and wanted to learn more about these incredible humans who are the surrogates. Now, Gina Kinson has had uh, two surrogate journeys and is about to embark on her third. Um, and she helps couples to have families that they have always dreamed of. 
And it's just so selfless and inspiring and just changing lives. And we cannot wait for her to share her experience with us. So without further ado, uh, Gina, welcome and tell us your story. Hello. Um, So yeah, I've uh, had two surrogate babies myself. Um, I've got three children of my own who um, are 26, um, 21 and 19. And probably about eight, nine years ago, I kind of toyed with the idea of, of becoming a surrogate. But at that point, I thought, I just assumed that I was too old. Um, and speaking to a friend of mine, I realised that, no, you can carry on having babies well into your 40s. Um, so I investigated, I, I sort of did a little bit of research um, and became educated, uh, met a huge community of people that I just didn't even realise existed. And I met my IPs, the intended parents, and yeah, I carried two little girls for them um, who are now six and three. So, yeah, I'm what they call a gestational surrogate. So the embryo is belongs to the couple and nothing to do with me genetically. So I'm just just a carrier, just an oven. <laughs> I like they say just. I mean, that is a pretty big thing. It's, yeah. You know. yeah, it's 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 amazing. It's amazing to be able to help another woman or another man or another couple or, or or whoever to have have a family I've enjoyed so much my children um I absolutely love being a mother um it means a huge amount of me to me and I think by being able to experience a pregnancy that's not directly yours is actually completely it's empowering um so it, it's I enjoyed all all what pregnancy brings you to you without having the pressure um, of of thinking about what what's going to happen with the baby, um, you know, thinking about names or nursery or having any of the pressures that that your own children would bring to you. So yeah, I I really really enjoyed my journeys. You talk about there being less pressure, um, which I find amazing because I found um, pregnancy. Quite quite stressful um thinking about oh my god if I eat this prawn will I get food poisoning and you know if I go too near someone who's smoking will that make you know will that affect the baby and I found it a complete minefield of panic and anxiety um I love how you said actually I really enjoy it and you know it takes the pressure off so how do you get your head around you talked about being just an oven you're taking care of something which is so precious for someone else. The responsibility of that must feel so huge. Does it feel heavy? Does it get a lot at times? I think, yeah, I think the pressure that way around, sort of emotional pressure is probably heightened. I think I worried more about my surrogate pregnancies than I did my own. Um, but I enjoyed it in a in a different sense. Um, so I think worrying about whether or not you're doing the right thing, like you say, whether you're eating the right thing, um, whether or not you're keeping in contact with your IPs, whether you're, um, you know, making the right decisions. You're, it is it is like taking care of, of a precious load. And I think because so many people are invested and you realise what has gone on to create this baby, um, yeah, there is probably a more intense pressure that, that way around. 
it's it's amazing I find what you do so incredible because pregnancy can be tough in itself physically can't it and you've had three of your own children you've gone on to have two more for other people and you're embarking on your third how is your body reacting and how how do you cope with that you know you know constant con not constant pregnancy I don't mean that <laughs> like you know like an elephant they're, they're they're pregnant for so long aren't they but no you know to to have essentially six pregnancies that's huge isn't it on your body it is yeah and I think that each pregnancy comes with its own challenges every pregnancy was different for me no two pregnancies have been the same um so my first pregnancy with my daughter, I was very, very young. I, I literally did not give it a second thought. I sailed through the whole pregnancy. Um, I really didn't pay much attention what was happening to my body, what I was putting into my body or, or anything. And then this baby just arrived um, and I was just sort of thrown into motherhood as such. So I didn't really take much notice. But with both my sons, I took a lot I paid a lot more attention to the actual pregnancies and they were fairly similar um I had morning sickness for or they call it morning sickness don't they but it's not morning sickness is it it's all day sickness um mm. for the for the first three <laughs> Isn't months. <it> just? <laughs> um and yeah and you know and, and the boys came along and it, I was very busy at the time I was sort of in my late 20s early 30s um lots of friends children going to school um I was very very busy and then when I had the surrogate pregnancy the first one I was really able to enjoy the pregnancy but I was also much more in tune with my body and what my body needed so um I read a lot more with regards to diet um I paid a lot more attention because of the IVF and everything about what was good for my body and how I listened to my hormones and in recovery and looking at the emotional side of things. So I think I was a lot more in tune with my body during the fourth pregnancy. Um, surprisingly enough, at 40, I, I actually did really well. I, I, I kind of sailed through it. Um, my children were quite a bit older, so I wasn't having to do school runs so much. Um, the last pregnancy um, was actually my worst pregnancy. Uh, I was 43. Um, I don't think it had much to do with age, but I suffered what was called an HG pregnancy. So that was hyperemesis gravidium. So it's what the princess Kate suffered from. And it's almost like a hyperextension of morning sickness. So it's literally vomiting and nausea 24 seven. And unfortunately, I had that through the entire pregnancy, so it didn't let up. Um, it was quite, quite debilitating, but you just I think you just think in the back of your mind what this baby means, what this pregnancy actually means. And nine months, although is a long time, in the grand scheme of things, it's a very short period of time. Mm. Um, but yeah. yeah, I needed a lot of support during that pregnancy. So, But it hasn't put me off. <laughs> Could we go back a little bit and talk about the process for for you as a surrogate? Because um, you said there's support there. It feels different when you're carrying someone else's. And can you talk to us about, I mean, 
I imagine the process looks different for each surrogate, each each uh, journey that happens with surrogacy. What was the process for you? So I think every surrogate comes to surrogacy from a slightly different background for slightly different reasons. Um, some surrogates absolutely love being pregnant, but they don't want any more children. Some people come at it from um, a, just a desire to to do something for somebody else. Uh, some surrogates come at it from the fact that they've needed help with their own families. Um, many same-sex surrogates obviously need help with, with sperm donation, so it's a, their way of giving something back. Every surrogate needs support. Having and carrying a pregnancy for somebody else, um, you do need a lot of support emotionally um, and physically, uh, not only from your family, from the the couple themselves and also from the community so you know you, you're not just doing something for a couple you meet so many friends you meet so many other surrogates and IPs and you make some really really strong friendships and it's those people that you need around you to support you um, when you're not feeling great and um, you know and and during your celebrations as well you know to cheer you on. I can imagine that you know, you talk about making like a lot of friends and I can imagine if you've given birth to like you talk about the the surrogate children you've already given birth to, you know, those you must be part of that family forever now. That must be a, a, such a wonderful extension of your own family now. Yes, it is. We've um, we were asked by my IPs to become godparents to the girls, which was oh. absolutely amazing it's an absolute honor um and i think the way they look at it is the fact that you know the girls have got more people to love them so you know it's it's going to be a wonderful thing to have more people in their lives that love them and care for them and um i i absolutely adore the girls you know both me and my husband and my children do you know they were a huge and they still are a huge part of our life um mm. I don't think about them every day. I must admit, I don't, you know, I I think about them very similarly to sort of my niece or nephew or friends' children. So I think my my children are on my mind every single day. But um, yes, but but the girls not necessarily. Um, but we we love meeting up every now and again. And you know, if I go out shopping and I see something and I think, oh yes, no, you know, one of them will like that, or you know my niece might like that you know like you would do with with any children oh it sounds like just such a beautiful almost like extended family and just kind of I want to say community but it's more than that that family feel um a lot of birthing parents might find it a bit strange um how you can give birth and then you know give, give the child to to a new family can you talk us through that yeah, it's it's very, very strange. I think I knew that I would be able to do it. I don't know why. Um, I just knew that it was something that I could do. Um, I did have a few worries. I did worry sort of, you know, would I bond with, with the baby while it was inside me? Um, but I honestly felt very different towards the baby. I felt um, 
nurture you know I was very nurturing towards the bump um I spoke to her my children spoke to her while she was you know both girls while they were in the room um I enjoyed the moving about and the kicking and you know I enjoyed playing the parents voices to her and I enjoyed it from a perspective that to look at the parents become parents and know that you've had a part in doing that Mm. um is absolutely like it's so empowering and I remember um when the eldest one was born and I just lay there and um my IM had sort of laid her head down to go to sleep for a little bit and I just sat sat there with her and I thought how do I feel about you and I kind of we had like a little chat between ourselves and um I thought do I love you you know do I have I got a bond with you And then I honestly sort of sat there and I thought, this is not a maternal bond, not like your own child. Mm. Um, I'm not invested in your future. You know, Mm. you're very cute, you're a beautiful baby, and I do care about you, but not from a maternal point of view. It's very, very different. And I'm not sure you can explain it unless you've actually sort of felt it. Most are the same. Yeah, it it almost feels like you you had that pre-agreement with your mind and with the the child that, you know, you're not mine, I'm not yours, but we've helped each other in, in yes. that kind of, yeah. Yeah, that's fascinating. You talked about um, how the IM and the IPs were kind of involved then and throughout the pregnancy. How much involvement did they have during your journey of pregnancy up to birth? Uh, every team is different. I think... Um most teams and I say teams sort of you know the couple and, and the surrogate and, and her sort of support so the, mm-hmm. the whole team as, as, as a whole um everyone's very different everyone's contact is different everyone's sort of like involvement is very different we were I wanted to see their reaction sort of at scans I wanted them to be involved as much as they could with their pregnancy because mm-hmm even though it was my pregnancy, it was also their pregnancy. So I felt very passionate about making sure that they came to the appointments if they wanted to, but also that they, you know, if they were busy or, if, you know, I just had a 10-minute midwife appointment, they didn't feel they had to sort of travel, you know, hours and hours just just for a, a tiny appointment. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a lot of communication involved, and I think that's really important in teams is – knowing what your expectations are and both of you and making sure that you you know talk to each other um but they were there at the birth they were there at every scan and we still see each other lots and yeah very supportive couple they were how clued up and um I suppose supportive is the health are, are the health services of surrogates you know are they very um, accommodating to it or is there still work to be done there um there's lots of work to be done there I think it is getting better I have noticed quite a significant difference especially in the last sort of seven or eight years I think a lot of it comes from education um midwives and maternity units um doctors consultants everyone that you interact with often you find that it might be the first or second time that they have ever had anything to do with a surrogacy team um in that case they it is purely 
education you know they're uneducated so they have assumptions um and some of the old assumptions by sort of saying that oh you know perhaps we need to get social services involved or perhaps you need to hand the baby over off site of the the hospital you know it's all we 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 mustn't know anything about this type thing um it's quite archaic so i think they get scared by the laws um or the lack of laws in this country um so it's it's getting better more needs to be done um those that are up to date with the education and up to date with the laws and they have more faith around words language with regards to surrogacy um then you know there are some brilliant people out there there's some lovely midwives lovely um community hospitals and and sort of midwifery units that are really really on board with surrogacy they know what to say how to support um and and it's making sure that we get that across the board in the UK so so that teams are much more supported what are the oh sorry Vicky. no 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 go go Oh, no, you put your hand up. I didn't. I was just diving in there. You can go next. I promise. No, I was going to say, because obviously there, there's um, still changes and education that needs to do, not just to the law, but organisations in supporting um, surrogates and IPs. And I was just going to ask about in your experience, you know, has the number of surrogates and the requests and requirements for uh, surrogates gone up? Yes, definitely. So back about sort of, I'd say four or five in the last sort of four four five six years um mm. the parental orders have almost tripled or quadrupled even wow. i think there was um yeah it it's increased hugely hugely um Gosh. since single people were allowed to apply for a, and get a parental order it's enabled single people to um look at surrogacy and that that was passed in 2019 so mm. that's all legal now um the it's become a lot lot more common for same-sex couples to look into you know surrogacy as an option instead of just adoption um so that's amazing it's becoming much much more acceptable as a route to creating your family so mm. um and i think a lot more women are becoming aware of the fact that you know they don't have to just stop having babies just because you know they've completed their own family you know there are lots of women who almost feel like they're not finished like they're not done they don't want to shut that door of you know carrying babies being pregnant being involved in maternity etc and this is a really really good way of of still sort of use, using your baby bits as such um and also getting something back from it it teaches you so much yeah so go on katie just had a mouthful i had sorry (laughs) no you're a mouthful of tea and then i was on mute and i was like (laughs) i don't know what's happening um (laughs) i think um before we had our chat um with michael i there were a lot of things that i I mean to be honest i didn't know a great deal about surrogacy at all i was just you know it's someone that carries a baby for someone else when they can't have their own children and you know that's that's just how it is and he uh myth busted an awful lot for us and he talked a lot about things from the surrogates point of view um and thankfully he puts in touch with you which we're very very grateful of because 
I think I can't be the only one. Vicky and I had this conversation afterwards that have these misconceptions about things like, well, what happens if the surrogate, you know, doesn't want to give the baby up at the end of it? And, you know, things like that. I think people maybe have picked up on from perhaps dramatizations and soaps and things like that. So seeing things from a surrogate's point of view, what are some of the common misconceptions through of, of surrogacy that people often think and ignorant views I guess that you want to sort of like get rid of today <laughs> yeah it um yeah keep it keeping the baby is a big one that's that's often people's first sort of question or, or thought and my answer to it has always been the same there there are a lot easier ways for me to go and have a baby um and I honestly do not want to keep somebody else's baby. Um, I'd rather have a baby with my partner, with my husband that's created by the two of us. Um, and actually, you know, I, I can genetically have my own children. I'm lucky enough to do that. So it's a lot easier for me to, you know, go and get a sperm donor or, you know, sleep with my husband as such. So we create our own family. Um, a few other ones are, I've had somebody ask me, um, about the bond, about whether or not, you know, it, I must be quite cold or selfish to be able to give a baby away or my baby away. Um, and yeah, that's, it's, it's, I'm kind of, I see it as though I'm giving a baby back to the parents. So I kind of, I'm almost on loan. So th this, this little embryo is on loan and then I'm growing it and then, you know, baby's going back to its parents. So it's never mine in the first place. Um, what's another one I've had? Um, oh, we make lots and lots of money. Uh, <laughs> we get paid for being a surrogate, which is absolutely not true. Uh, surrogates, it's actually illegal to be paid to be a surrogate in the UK, um, but you can claim expenses. So surrogacy is actually um, completely free for the surrogate to do. She's not going to incur, incur any costs whatsoever. The couples will provide all costings travel food um loss of wages etc there is nothing that the surrogate is going to have to pay for at all um which which is actually helpful for those that that want to do it but are not necessarily able to do it financially um so yeah that that's another one um I'd love to be paid. I'd love to have a Lamborghini in exchange for a child. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> and actually, do you know what? I, I'm glad it's like that. I'm glad surrogacy is altruistic in, in the UK um, because otherwise you'd, I think you'd end up pricing couples right out of the market. Yeah. I, you start sort of paying large lumps of money, you, you would, you know, society is what it is. And if you start charging, you know, obviously – money and prices and everything will mm. increase um and then you get to a stage was how do you then control that mm. um you know you could end up with it costing sort of similar to the us and you know hundreds yeah. and hundreds of thousands of pounds and you know and then it becomes just available for the rich and it's you know it's not fair like mm. that so yeah we're a question in relation to cost and this is probably me coming from a position of um, naivety is that uh, along with that, with things like the actual process of gestation um, in terms of IVF and um, that kind of implanting process, is that all included in the cost as well? Because obviously the NHS won't take it. It doesn't fund the surrogacy process. 
Um, so everything is kind of split into different parts. So some people can get NHS funding to create the embryos, um, especially if they come from a background of infertility. Um, or again, sort of like almost a postcode lottery. So depending on where they live in the country will depend on whether or not their trust or their NHS governing body as such would would um, fund that, whether they would get the funding for that. Now, that's the initial embryo creating um, from the um, IVF clinic as such. So that's with the egg donor or the um, woman collecting her eggs and then putting the sperm together and creating the embryos. Um, what the NHS and the government don't fund is the actual surrogacy part of it. So they won't actually fund those embryos being put into a surrogate. So that's where the IP, that's where their costs will start to, to, to come out is, is then. And that can vary from clinic to clinic and it can vary from with regards to what, you're doing cycle wise medicated cycle non-medicated cycle um pre-pregnancy expenses with regards to the surrogate it all depends on her circumstances does she live a long way from the clinic does she live close by mm -hmm. is she a high earner is she not does she have children to put into childcare while she's doing the ivf you know all those sorts of things come into sort of on you know on the table when you're thinking about surrogacy You've then got to think about um, surrogacy expenses and they vary hugely and across the country. So, you know, it might be that some surrogates don't need very much support at all financially, but then you might have a surrogate that needs a huge amount of financial mm -hmm. support. You know, she might have four or five children that all need help with childcare. She might live four hours away from the clinic. She might have mm -hmm. a really, really good job that needs you know help she might be self-employed so you know doesn't receive maternity pay as such so there's lots of things that go into it you've then got to think about all the things that could potentially go wrong with surrogacy and that's really really important to think about and you know no pregnancy is guaranteed to be perfect so you know we could have things like miscarriage we could have things like stillbirth we could have things like um you know, people falling poorly or needed extended help afterwards. Um, so all those things have got to be thought about and financially provided for, mm. um, especially if the surrogate, you know, God forbid, loses her life or anything like that. Then that's you've got to make sure that the surrogate's family are looked after. So all these things should be thought about and talked about and discussed and agreed before stepping forward. I suppose after everything you've just said there, it's very difficult to say, you know, if someone was listening to this thinking we've been struggling to have a child for years or maybe haven't started, but the, the fertility circumstance is not there, i.e. a same-sex couple, um, mm -hmm. they might be thinking, how much is this going to cost me? And I know what you've said there is it's that it's very varied, but is there an average sort of cost bracket that, that people will sort of expect to pay um I, I i think probably somewhere somewhere between sort of about 40 to 60 70 000 in the uk um and i i would say that's probably with 
everything included obviously that you know you you can cut corners you can um find cheaper options you there, there's lots of things that you can do um like look at clinics abroad often the european clinics are a lot cheaper um there are sort of you know you could do crowdfunding you could um look at options that will sort of i don't know um how can i put it, it, it it's 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 as expensive as you make it if you mm. see what i mean so okay. i think yeah. it, it can vary hugely and again with with surrogate you know there's no point in matching with a surrogate the expenses are way out of your price bracket mm. you know yeah. i think you need to just be sensible have a budget think about what what it costs for you what those costs involve um and what you're prepared to spend mm. and you know and then then go at it as such mm. Mm. You mentioned about surrogacy abroad there. And the one thing Michael mentioned was some of the horror stories of um, people going abroad and looking at, you know, using surrogates and the poor surrogates being either left or the deal falling through. Have you had any um, experience or of meeting surrogates or instances where that's happened? And what is your experience of surrogacy deals abroad? Um, I've I've not. I've met a few couples that have had bad experiences abroad um, and, you know, I, w I won't go into too much detail. I think a lot of it is that there's been a little bit of lack of research or they've gone somewhere where they haven't gone with a reputable agency or, you know, they've tried to, they assume that it's a safer option by going abroad than it is in the UK where it not necessarily is um i think if you can afford it then the us is a is is a good option um again i think unless you go with an agency that has got connections has got contacts abroad then it, it all depends on what you want from surrogacy there are couples that don't really they just want a baby that you know they don't want the involvement with with regards to the surrogate they just want the baby um and that's understandable you know if, if you don't want that emotional tie with the surrogate mm. if you if you literally you want to um have a baby and you want to have a baby now then you know that those are options available to do that um not everybody wants the same thing from surrogacy and not everybody builds this their family the same way and i think it's okay to be to have different wants and needs and we don't all have to follow the same pathway we don't all have to follow the same journeys and I think that's okay so I think if, if you want a real connection with your surrogate if you want to be much more hands-on I think if you want to go to um, appointments be at the scan have your surrogate involved in your child's life afterwards UK is a is a fantastic option um, it might take a bit longer um, but it is definitely a good option. You mentioned in the last question where we were talking about expenses and things, and you said about matching IPs with surrogates. Yeah how how do you how do you match with a surrogate? How do you find a surrogate? I'm imagining you're not listed in the yellow pages. <laughs> um, so how does one go about finding? Because um, from what we've spoken about previously in our pre chat, there's this whole network of surrogates and IPs out there. 
But if someone's looking into this for the first time, how would they find an appropriate surrogate? And what's the sort of process in terms of, right, do you go and have coffee and work out, you know, if you want to be the oven that this baby is cooked in? How does it work? <laughs> there are several different options. There are, um, well, there's two main options. You can either sort of go down the organisation route where you would find an organisation or agency to work with. Um they normally do a lot of the legwork for you. So they, you know, provide you a lot with education. Um, they do a lot of the checks, um, the counselling, the support and everything. Um, or you would go down the independent route. Um, both are fantastic pathways, um, very, very different. Um, the community overlaps hugely. So a lot of the community in the organisation and the independent are actually very much overlapping um i think it's about basically putting yourself out there sort of allowing people to know who you are what you're about what what sort of interests you what you want from a journey um basically saying look this is me this is me you know who who am i attracting and it's a bit like dating so it's a bit like sort of walking into a pub and having a chat with everybody that you can possibly chat with um, <laughs> And in the case of organisation, what they do is they tend to sort of um, direct you, sort of saying, well, it's, you know, there's no point in talking to these people because they have a completely different opinion to yourself. So, you know, we kind of shut the door on a few sort of matches as such, um, purely because they just wouldn't even get off the ground. So it kind of saves, it's a bit of a time saver. Um mm -hmm. But yeah, it's a it's it's a bit like dating, really. You've just got to sort of get in there and 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 start talking and and seeing seeing who you find that click with, seeing who who you want to work with and who you want to have babies for. Um, Baby speed dating, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I find it such an insp I mean, even the process is just it's so warming. It's it's you know you're all going there. For one thing you know you guys to help and change their lives and it's just I can't describe it any other way it's just quite heartwarming and, and lovely to hear about these kind of things that are happening in that introduction but with that and because you know obviously me and Katie in the pre-chat just were astounded and just in awe of what you do why is surrogacy still something that isn't talked about enough? I think it's um it divides opinion, I think, massively. I think um, a lot of people sit on the fence about it. Um, it, it. It is extremely emotional. It is extremely hard. There are lots and lots of risks, but there are so many benefits to it. And it's not just about having a baby for somebody else. It's so much more than that. And I think we, we need to talk about it more as an option for not only IPs, but for for mothers as well um and for women um we're not being taken advantage of um we're we're very much sort of i know what to do with my body i'm quite capable of making a decision whether i have a baby for somebody else or not um i think there is a lot of you know people out there who kind of see it as a sort of baby selling um thing and are you know, almost trying to stop it because of maybe other countries. Um, maybe there are other countries that do take advantage of the women, etc. But I think in the UK, I don't think 
that we're in that situation, I think, because there is not large amounts of money involved. Um, we we have autonomy over our own bodies. We know as women that we can do what we want to do with our bodies. Um, it has taught my children such a huge amount. It's taught my daughter what it means to do something for another woman. It's taught my sons what it means you know, to, to be empathetic. Um, it, it's taught my husband so, so much. I mean, our relationship, just the give and take and everything. And for me to appreciate what kind of man it takes to allow his wife or not allow, but, you know, it can support his wife having another man's baby. It, it's huge. Um, so I think it teaches us a huge, huge amount. I think it's so, I know, when you've talked about it in the past, like I, I just can't get over how how selfless it is. I think mm. it's such a wonderful thing that you're doing, because obviously there are going to be a lot of people out there that find themselves up against um, a scenario which allows them maybe not to carry their own child. And I think the fact that you're putting yourself out there and you're putting your body under nine months of strain for someone else, I think is incredible. Yeah, it's it's. I always think actually, I don't see myself as being the strong one. I don't see myself as being the one that that is selfless as such. I look at my IM. I look at the couples that have struggled with fertility, and I see them mm. as the strong ones. So I look at my IM, the girl's mum, and I just think what an amazing woman it takes to be able to trust another woman with your baby. I mean, that's huge to watch another woman carry your child for you and to support her and cope with all those emotions and feelings that, that go along with that. She She's the strong one. Um, and yes, it's a, it's a toll on my body and I get that, but I mean, I've had three children. My body's really not gonna get any better. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've already got all the stretch marks and, and everything like that already. So, it, it, you know, and I think at the age of 40, I really don't mind all the wobbly bits. I'm not really concerned about those anymore. Um, so, yeah, and I think you never question somebody that wants to run a marathon or climb Mount Everest or run into a burning building, you know. So I think to, you know, question a surrogate but why would she want to do this I think it's just the same sort of thing I think mm -hmm. you have a desire to do something and it it gives you so much pride and achievement and joy that it, it's it's just it's just a desire I think I think it's just something mm -hmm. that we love to be part of that community I think the other thing that you've given just there as well is empowering IPs and IMs in their decision to go through the surrogacy process as well. I think having someone like yourself, um, particularly as you know, you're, you're experienced in the surrogacy process anyway, but it's quite, um, you're giving them the power of I've made the right decision and this is going to be an okay process. And this is, you know, this is going to be okay in the end for anyone who's got the jitters, but it's, it's making them secure in the decision that they've made to go down this process. And I think that's really powerful as well. Um, that you're able to do that with that in mind what kind of changes do you want to see in terms of um, I mean we've talked briefly you know very briefly about the law and things 
But what kind of changes do you want to see in relation to surrogacy in the UK? So I'd really, really love to see more um, equality. So that there really, really does need to be an equal power between the surrogate and and the couple. Um, I think with the law changes coming up and the couples being able to go on the birth certificate from birth um, is going to be amazing. It's going to be, it's going to give a lot more balance because you're both there as part, an integral part of the team. All of you have a really, really valued part of the team. Neither one of you can do do this without the other you know we can't we can't achieve our dream of being surrogates without couples that need babies um and vice versa and i think sometimes there tends to be a little bit too much power in the surrogate camp um i think sometimes the surrogates hold all the cards and there seems that vulnerability with the the couples and i think there needs to be a little bit better balance because i think we need to address the fact that you're you're doing this together as a team, you're equal, um, you're creating this baby um, and both of you have, d- have have done this together as an important part. So um, it's about just respect, respecting all members of the team, including the husbands. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I, I know we'll come on to talk about the IPs in a moment, but for someone who wanted to be a surrogate, that thought you know I want to go down this route of helping others what advice would you give oh research research and research um a lot of surrogates that I speak to have come to surrogacy haven't often had the conversation with their extended family or their family or their their other halves it's it's quite um and they, they've been thinking about it for months and months. So they inquire about it. They haven't really thought about what it effect it has on everybody else around them. So I think what women need to do is they need to have a conversation before they do anything else at all. They need to have a conversation with their partners, with their parents, with their siblings, you know, with their friends. Have a look at what support you've got as you know, as a surrogate, as a woman having a baby. Um, There's not a huge amount of support for surrogates after they've had the baby. And that's an important part that like, I'm passionate about that. Um, You can't just walk away after handing the baby over. You can't just go home and get on with your life. It doesn't, it it doesn't work like that. That our mentality as, as women is recovering. We need to talk about the process we need to actively think about what we've just done with our bodies um we need to think how we recover emotionally as well as physically um so having the support system around you is really really vital um another thing is to go and see the doctor go and see your gp have a you know talk to them about what you can put in place to get yourself ready, you know, to get body ready, have some checks, make sure your blood pressure's fine, make sure your diet's fine, make sure your weight is fine. All these things, every everything that is slightly out of normal can be another risk factor for you. And I think if you're going to come into surrogacy, you need to look at all the risk factors and think very sensibly about whether or not this is the right decision for you. So you might want to do this, but you might not be physically able to do this or it might not be a sensible idea to do this. Um, But there are so many other ways to be involved in surrogacy 
without just be, you know you don't have to be a surrogate to be involved in surrogacy you know you you can look at egg donation um you can look at all sorts of other things um yeah i think just lots of research lots of speaking to people that have been part of the community um and speaking to medical people and your friends and family i was just thinking there when you talked about the stage afterwards where you have the baby you hand it over and you come Mm -hmm. home and I was remembering sort of four or five days after I had Freddie and the hormone dip that I encountered and I can't imagine what goes through your body and mind when your body's just done all that Mm -hmm. and it's like well hold on where's where's the baby where's like because that must throw off you know mentally and emotionally that must be quite difficult for the body to deal with surely (laughs) Yeah, I think I think what we don't realise is that often surrogates come home and they forget they've had a baby. Um, they honestly do. They almost slot back into their lives. They think, oh, I've got shopping to do. Race, you know, jump in the car. And you think, oh, actually, I had a baby three days ago. And, you know, if you were ha- if you were having your own baby, you would be at home feeding every couple of hours. But with a surrogate pregnancy, you don't have the baby to feed. Um, so, you know, unless you've had a C-section, often we're up and about and off and, mm. you know, we kind of feel great. And then all of a sudden we got like, oh, actually, I, I really need to slow down. I need to be kind to myself. Um, when you have your own baby as well, you get to process the birth by speaking about it. Everybody that comes to see you that wants to come and see the baby yeah. Not necessarily see you, but they want to come and see the baby. Um, so you have friends and family that ask you about the labour. So you are able to verbalise it over and over and over mm-hmm. again by telling your story about what happened during the labour. With a surrogate pregnancy, people don't come and see you because there's no baby. So, you know, you might have the odd friend or you might have a family member that just sort of checks up on you, but they kind of almost want to leave you alone because they don't want to upset you because you might sort of be feeling a bit low or you might not want to talk about the baby because it's a sore subject but actually you need people around you you need to be able to talk about the labor you want to be able to shout about it you want to say look what I've just done um and enable your mind to process it by talking about that labor over and over again um and that what that's what we as an organisation and me that I'm very passionate about is to be able to contact my surrogates afterwards and, you know, talk to me. Tell me about the baby. Tell me about your IPs. Show me any photographs. You know, mm. I want to know so that you can process it. Mm. It's it's funny, isn't it? Because what you're saying is it's, you know, after the baby's been born and the, the surrogates go home, almost, there needs to be a celebration. It's like, yes. look, look what you've done, you know, well done. It's amazing. But as you said, it feels like it's quite an isolating time and probably one that's bittersweet. You know, you've done something great, but no one is feeling as elated or understands as you do what you've just done. Um, which yeah, is you- often, yeah. Yeah. Often people think you don't want to see pictures of the baby or you don't Mm. want to talk about the baby when actually that's what you want to happen you want to see these Mm. pictures you want lots and lots of baby spam from your your couple it's often the couple that you miss not the baby 
So you've had all this beautiful conversation over the last few months and, you know, you've chatted about what's going to happen in Labour and you're all excited and there's lots and lots of text messages and, you know, visits and meetups. And all of a sudden this shift happens and, you know, your couple are in their baby moon which quite rightly so they should be, you know, they've got a brand new baby, they're up every couple of hours feeding, you know, they're absolutely knackered. Sometimes, sometimes they, you know, they don't quite remember to message you or, you know, ask how you're doing or mm-hmm. um, send a picture or anything like that. Often it's the lack of communication. If there's mm-hmm. good communication and, as an organization we prepare our couple and we say look this is really important keep in contact with your surrogate keep messaging her keep you know saying how are you send her baby pictures um yeah we have talked there about things from a surrogate perspective but anyone that's listening to this that's considering surrogacy as an option for them i know we've talked about bits and bobs throughout the episode what would be your advice to them though lots and lots of research again uh, <laughs> talk to um talk to organizations have a look on the independent surrogacy um facebook groups have um look at the f uh, hfea guidelines have a look on the government website um look at some clinics see what see what kind of clinics are supporting surrogacy um look at some of the um statistics and some of the um guidelines and everything involved in surrogacy and ultimately find somebody else that has been through a surrogate journey because experience is the best best bit of advice you'll ever get is from other people that have been through the same thing could you tell us a bit more about what you do and uh, my surrogacy journey? Because I think that's I think what you do is absolutely invaluable. So it'd be lovely to hear from from you about what you do. Yeah, so I'm the um, along with Haley, I'm the surrogate coordinator for MSJ or my surrogacy journey. So what my role is that I support both surrogate and IPs. So I get to chat to the surrogates, to the new ladies that are coming in, and to the couples as well to give them a surrogate perspective so I kind of sort of sound them out and allow them to talk to a surrogate before they've actually found their own surrogate so that they can sort of ask the silly questions and you know ask the intimate questions that they might not want to you know when they come across a a new new lady um we can help these surrogates with their expenses um plan what they need um help them with counselling, sort all their checks out, all their sort of STI checks and sort of direct them in in the way of insurance and advice and wills and all sorts of things. It's a real handhold organisation. Mm-hmm. Um, we go at everybody's own speed. So there's not a, you know, we don't suddenly rush you through or anything like that. So everything is done at the own at at your own pace it's very very individual um there's not a set journey for each person everybody is different we are all unique people um so my surrogacy journey one of their biggest beliefs are is the fact that every journey is your journey um so it's very unique to you it's amazing and i yeah i don't know if and and I I know we've talked about the whole selflessness side of things. Yeah. I don't know if I could do it. I don't. I can't imagine handing a child over because I'm like, oh, 
look how cute they are. <laughs> but I can understand everything that you said. And I think it's so, it's been completely invaluable seeing actually from a surrogate's perspective. Mm. We do ask all of our guests uh, for a final sip, which is your final take on it and what you would like to leave our listeners with from this episode. So surrogacy to me is the most empowering thing other than having my own children that I have ever done in my life. It has taught me such a huge amount and it has rewarded me with all kinds of emotions and highs and lows. Um, so it's a real roller coaster, but a, a worthwhile one having a ride on. I love, oh, I love it. Oh, and even my dog in the background is celebrating that. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> Well, Gina, thank you so much for yeah, your time today. You. Um, everything th that you've talked about has been has been a real eye opener mm. because I don't think people talk about surrogacy in this country enough. Um, and it's been wonderful. And we're going to team this episode up with uh, Michael's episode. And um, hopefully anyone out there who is considering the surrogacy mm. journey will, you know, have a look mm. at my surrogacy journey and uh, hopefully come and speak to you so thank you so much for your time it's been really wonderful to speak to you and thank you everyone for listening as well thank you uh for joining us on another episode of strong tea if you like what you've heard please check out our page uh, our web page we do have a sponsor sponsor us page and support us page if you want to sponsor us you can and if you want to just buy us a coffee or a tea or some tea bags or some prosecco, gin or prosecco yeah anything we're, we're open to it all and um, there's an opportunity to do that as well and we also this list is getting longer, Vicky. We're going to have to see about streamlining it. <laughs> we do also now have a newsletter, which goes out every month, which will tell you about what's coming up. So please don't forget to subscribe to the newsletter on our website. But for now, that's good night from me. And it's good night from me. <laughs> <laughs> and we will see you very, very soon. Thanks again, Gina. And take care. Bye. Thank you. Bye.